You are now listening to Teach Me How to Love You Better, hosted by Dergo BJ. Teach Me Tuesday is back with another lesson of Teach Me How to Love You Better, with a lesson on how to deal with anxiety. The anxiety at hand is how do you wait on God and love simultaneously? Taking him at his word and trusting his process and preparing you and your potential partner for one another. And even if this isn't a spiritual journey for you, the general process of waiting on love, which can be very difficult for those of us without a lifeline or leveling of understanding to use. The lady I have to discuss this with is Alexis, who I call Lex of the Free Space podcast. And she discusses her own anxieties of waiting her turn for true love. And what we find is that her process of thoughts and feelings are not just what it takes to find love, but also to potentially use that same skill set to know how to properly treat another person. I hope that while we learn and discover new ideas and abilities, that this will teach us how to love one another as we would hopefully want to be treated, especially once we're out of the quarantine. So ladies, support your sister. Lex is one of us all who needs support during this time of transparency and self-discovery. And fellas, shut the hell up and listen. Hear a woman speak her story and find new ways to apply these things that you hear to your treatment of women going forward. Welcome to our newest lesson that discusses the anxiety of waiting your turn on Teach Me How to Love You Better. What's going on, everybody? We are back with a brand new episode of Teach Me How to Love You Better. And it's BJ here to set things off with this very, very, very dope and interesting conversation. I've been probably sitting on a few different ideas for this particular guest that we have today. But um, this one seems to be perfect because we're quarantined and we're also learning about ourselves in the space where we have to stay inside. And I mean, for most of us, we don't take that literal when we say stay inside. We typically think that we're only referring to the outdoors, but this is actually like a way for us to pay attention to our internal as well. And that's what we're going to get into with today's guest for this conversation. We got Lex from the free space and she's finally on Teach Me How to Love You Better. What's going on? I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah. yay, I'm finally here. I, I feel like I made it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just always try to cater, you know, conversations directly to the people that I speak to. So it took me, I don't know why it took me so long to really get something good for you. But I think <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that it was worth the wait because yes, <laughs> um, the first process of doing this um, when I initially started it, it seemed like I kept getting women. They were saying all of the same things. It mm -hmm. was either intentionality. It was, you know, being honest mm -hmm. and all of these different, you know, all of these like different conversations that were pretty much centered around 
the same focal point. So I had to kind of switch things up. Mm-hmm. And by the time, you know, you, of course, wanting to do an episode, I didn't just want it to be like, OK, well, tell me what you think. Tell me what you feel. I wanted it mm-hmm. to be, you know, a healthy interaction. So um, that's what we're going to do today. And okay. um, of course, you know what we're talking about. We're talking about love and love is who complicated. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's probably the best word to describe it. So yes. explain to me what it feels like to you in detail when you hear the word love. Hmm. Um, I hear the word love. I think, um, I feel like it is something that's very precious. It's very, it's valuable. I think Mm -hmm. it's something that we all want and all need, but we can also be scared to admit it. Um, do just out of fear of seeming weak or um, possibly just being, you know, afraid of being taken advantage of because when we do love, it's not something we do half-heartedly. You know, when you love, it's it's mind, body, soul, and heart. Oh, and mm. speak, speaking of my first love, my child just walked in. <laughs> oh, right, right. Yeah, y'all know how that goes. Needed yeah. his password on his iPad. <laughs> um. But yeah, it's um, it's not ne- it's nothing that can be taken lightly, and I feel like um, just overall, it's something I think that people we we as a society, unfortunately, like I said, we've we've gotten we've become so we've gone through so much in our own individual lives and just what we see in the world and things like that that um, unfortunately, when we love real love, whether it's with family, friendships, or romantic relationships, is in a way somewhat foreign to a lot of us. Um, mm. whether it's in all of those aspects or one or two of those aspects. And so then when that's why I think it becomes so complicated and complex because we have all these different thoughts, all these different opinions, all these different experiences that shape what our views and beliefs about love is. Um, for okay. me, for okay. me personally, though, I, I feel like love is something that we, we do all need in our lives, whether it's, um, you know, whether it is from, like I said, family, friends, romantic, whatever it may, however it may pertain to you individually. But I, there's no way I can say that anyone individually, personally in this world could really, I feel like if there was someone was to tell me, I don't want love, I don't need love, I would probably say, no, nah, you lying. Cause love is a basic, need and it's an it's an it's an emotion and we all have it we all need it and when there's a void of it it does cause it's a domino effect there's consequences it's, it's a cataclysmic event that you know that comes from it not having it okay so um the thing that i want to touch on of course is the statement you made where you said love is a basic need right mm-hmm. okay so love is considered to be a basic need but why nowadays it is so complex is the fact that we've all personalized it to be something other than what it is in order for it to fit or accommodate us as people and i realize every day that the more that you personalize certain things the further and further away you tend to get from what it actually is supposed to do is supposed mm-hmm. to be something to share. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't share very well in love. 
Nah. Um, <laughs> it's, supp- it's supposed to be reciprocity, but we don't give uh-huh. very well when it comes to that. So what do you think is the solution to the way in which we decide to do it and how we can implement a different approach to it? Like, um, I really don't see it being basic now because we tend to complicate it. So how mm-hmm. do we get back to what the origin of it really is in order for us to move forward as men and women? Um, I think honestly, it, it take well, it takes you being honest with yourself, and I think it takes us as a whole, as a whole, recognizing that love is necessary. Y'all know I'm a social worker and a therapist in mental health. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm about to put my hat on real quick. <laughs> um, so, like, in when I was, you know, studying and whatnot, um, if anyone's ever heard of it, there's a Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And so it look, it's like a pyramid. And I'm pretty sure we talked about this and I brought this up on Instagram live discussions before. But love and love is on that pyramid as far as having a sense of belonging and connection. And um, the whole point of that pyramid is what is being able to get to the very top which is self-actualization and being that you know you're you're a complete and full whole person because all of your needs have been met in every area of life and so the whole basis of that is is when one of those needs is not met it you can't go to the next level so like someone who wants love and relationship but they don't have housing they don't have food they don't have shelter a love and relationship is going to be the last thing on their mind because we got to eat. <laughs> you know, we need to right. feel safe. So in that, right. I think it's like we have those basic needs. We have housing. We have, we have shelter. We have food. We we have our careers. Um, You know, but then you get to that love part. And then that's where it gets complicated because say you have someone who never knew what healthy love looked like based on how they grew up. So then it becomes complex and complicated because then they do start individualizing based off their experiences. So then their choices and their behaviors reflect that. And maybe the partners that they choose, um, if they decide to close themselves off, you know, the boundaries they have, maybe a lack of boundaries um, or they don't trust easy. And so then that they can't ever get past that level of love, belongingness and connection because their perception or the very basis of what they sh- should have been able to experience from it was shaken or rocked at some point in their life. So then that's what causes the issue. So I think what we need to do is we have to understand that it is necessary for us to have love, to be loved and know what healthy love looks like, how it should feel, how it, how you should feel in receiving it, how it should feel for you in giving it and not... um you know, not make it based in so much of an issue of weakness, but know that it is necessary. It's it's a part of who we are as humans and that it's okay. Mm, okay. Now we're going to get into the personalized part of love, <laughs> which is dating and relationship talk. I mean, no, let's switch this up. <laughs> I know you... I know you personally, we talk, you know, pretty frequent and a lot of what I get from you is you still hold dear to the, like the idea of love being precious. Like the, um, the hopeless romantic is what typically is thrown out when a person values the, the great moments, the, Mm -hmm. you know, 
the actual highlights of what love really is considering what dating is for you right now and Mm -hmm. the way in which love is structured today what keeps you hopeful for love in the midst of all of the chaos we see every day with people not being able to connect and understand with each other (sighs) (laughs) um what to say first off it's 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 hard to maintain that hope um, there's definitely days where I have felt like, you know, maybe it's just not meant for me um, because of the chaos and my own experiences. But I think as far as what keeps me hopeful is, um, you know, a big part of it is my my faith in God and my friend circle. Um, because, you know, with because in my faith in God, knowing that God is love and that alone lets me know, okay, God, you know, God is love and who he is and how he shows me love and my relationship with him. Why would, you know, why wouldn't God want me to have that, a love that resembles what he talks about in his word here on earth? And so I have to remind myself a lot of that, like, you know, God wants to, gives us the desires of our heart. And I, sometimes I have a question like, okay, God, you, you said, if I ask in your name, you give it to me. Why ain't I got it yet? (laughs) Um, right, right. Yeah. So like those are the days where I'm like, okay, like this is what you said. This is what I believe, but I'm not, I'm not seeing the manifestation of what I've been praying for, what was going on. And so then I start, I've had those times where I start, okay, well, maybe it's me. Maybe it's something I'm doing wrong. Maybe I'm not, I'm not seeing the red flags. Maybe I'm not making the, I'm thinking I'm making good choices, but I'm not. Maybe did I take everything to God in prayer? <laughs> you know, so I, and then, um, you know, and like I said, my friend circle, they, um, they're helpful in just, you know, giving me that support and just reminding me who I am as a woman that I, you know, on the, if I'm start doubting myself, you know, they're the ones that help lift me up and, um, encourage me. So I'm really grateful for them too. And then, um, also I would say just the fact that, um, I have, do have examples of, you know, people in my life who were able to find love even after heartbreak and disappointment. Um, some with family, some with friends. And so I think, okay, God's doing it for them. And I know God is an infinite God. So, He's going to do it for me. I just have to keep, just be patient and just keep working on me and depositing in myself and preparing myself so that when that love does come, I can receive it. Cause I would hate for God to give it to me and then I don't appreciate it or I'm not ready to receive it. Or I, you know, I, because of what my heartbreak or my baggage or things that I've gone through that I end up messing it up. Oh, okay. Well, you know, your answer is. Um, kind of exact to what we're going to talk about today in the small <laughs> topic portion of the show, which is the anxiety of waiting your turn, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're going to really dig into what you just said in just a second. But for those of you that are listening, again, this is Teach Me How to Love You Better, which is a conversation coming from a man directed towards a woman that asks for some firm details and instructions on how to be better for the women that we want to love in our lives. And what I'm going to do in this particular portion of the show is ask Lex a question. And when I ask Lex this question, I am to be completely silent until she completely gets all of her thoughts and feelings out about the said question. And I am not to speak again until she says, okay, BJ, 
you can speak now, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> Look, I'm like, oh shit, what's the question? <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm like, let me depending on <laughs> right, depending on how this goes, you know, like this is where we begin to get the idea of where the woman stands in, you know, love and the position that she plays with the men in her life. And we get to unravel that a little bit. I get to ask some like small questions and then we proceed with the uh, small topic. So you ready for the question? Who's I'm ready. (laughs) All right. All right. All right. So the question is, in what way as a woman, do you feel a man could do better by the women in his life, but not for his own sake, but more so for the sake of the women he's actually trying to love. Okay. Um, let's see. I would say. Let's try to make sure I'm going to get the right words. <laughs> I would say being honest with themselves before coming into a situation with um, with another woman um, with where they are in life mentally emotionally spiritually and being willing to share that without um, wondering if they're going to seem too weak or too open or too vulnerable um, and I know we talk about being intentional and whatnot, but I, that really does go a long way in the fact and when it comes to dating, because there is so much chaos and in between the lines, you know, dating is not the same as our parents um, when they were growing up, you know, back in the day. And I've often said that, like, dang, why can't it be how when my mom and dad was dating? Like my mom and dad didn't go through a whole bunch of hoops. It was I like you. You like me. Let's get to know each other. And then. Like, they've told me the story when they got together. My dad was like, oh, yeah, I'm your boyfriend. My mom's like, oh, okay. (laughs) Like, and it was no questions. But now there is so much questioning. But that's because times have changed and we've evolved. And there's a whole lot more of distractions. This world has evolved so much in itself. And there are more options. And, you know, we have to think about long-term consequences and effects and family and all that. So I feel like what it it takes, it takes self-reflection. It takes healing. It takes really knowing who you are and your own identity. What is it you truly want and not being afraid to stand in that out of fear of what someone's going to perceive about your manhood, um, how you're going to be perceived as far as who you, your, you know, who just who you are and honest and know that. And while I know there's some women out here that probably do not give men the spaces to open up and feel vulnerable, there's a lot of women like myself who actually want that brutal, that brutal and blunt honesty as far as where you are at in life. Um, not just for our own sakes and knowing like, okay, how should I move here? But just so we can know who you are as a person. And me knowing who you are as a person helps me to know, okay, is this someone that not only can I fit in my life, but do I fit in their life? Like, are we going to be able to be on the same page if we were to pursue a relationship? Are we going to be able to have, are we going to be able to have, do we have the same values and morals? And, you know, do we have the same views as far as uh, raising children and 
and the examples we want to uh, set for them. Uh, do we have the same ideas as far as what we want for our careers, finances, all that? So in being honest with yourself and taking the time to know who you are, that's only going to help me be able to feel comfortable and know in opening myself to you and also make me want to get to know who you are so that way we can actually build something that can stand the test of time and that would only decrease all the questions and the chaos and the distractions because you're a whole person and I'm a whole person so when we're bringing those holes together we you know we can act we can really be complete but we can also complement each other in other areas if need be um you know if if that works out bj you can speak now (laughs) all right all right so i gathered quite a bit from on what you said and i really want to like go into small questions but i think it'll distract the um the strong points that i have in the topic so we're just going to go straight into the topic which of course again is the anxiety of waiting your turn now there is a lot of stages of waiting that we find to be very difficult and i for one have found even waiting on god to be exhausting at times when i feel like simple answers or even hard truths could really put my anxiety at ease but What I realized in this thought process is that it's not the waiting that is actually the problem. It's the occupancy of the time while you're waiting that Mm -hmm. becomes the biggest challenge because what you're focusing on is the issue for you not realizing the process that is taking place that is put in place to help you once those things or that person actually shows up. And I'm going to give you an example. Mm hmm. Okay, we're going to talk about the 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 young lady who is spoiled by her father, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, a daddy is going to spoil his daughter no matter what because, of course, that is the apple of his eye. Right. So think about when that daughter becomes a woman and she runs into men who don't give her her way. She doesn't connect with the idea of there being times when she's not going to get her way because she was never taught that she was never used to that. Mm -hmm. And this may be the space that God is sitting her in because she has to get used to something new Mm -hmm. in order to receive something new or potentially better. Mm -hmm. And this is the perspective that I want to speak from when we talk about the anxieties of waiting our turns, because what if that patience that you're losing every day, while waiting on God to send that person is the very thing you're going to need when that guy shows up because he may show up not as ready as you. How are you going to be patient with a person when you can't be patient with yourself? So let's get into that. All right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I feel like you're knocking on my door. (laughs) I'm like, ooh, BJ knocking on my door. (laughs) All right. So when I think about like, you know, the many times that we have spoken about love and Mm -hmm. um, when we talk, I learn more and more about you and who you are. And the perception I get is that, you know, we are ready to experience fullness and the fulfillment of a genuine relationship. But willingness and readiness isn't what really makes the relationship work. It's how we deal with the feelings and emotions while waiting 
on certain conditions to change. So in this process of waiting on your turn, what are the things that have become a process for you while in this space? And how effective is it on your perspective, knowing that it could potentially mean you have to wait a little bit longer or it's on the way, but it's not going to be what it seems when it gets here. Like, what is the process that you're taking to prepare yourself for when your time comes? Okay. Um, well, I would say my process started actually last year. Um, mm -hmm. cause 2019 was a rough, a very rough year. <laughs> <laughs> um, not even just with dating and relationships, but just mentally emotionally spiritually it i i yeah i went there went through it <laughs> and right. so um uh i decided okay it's time for me to really face everything um everything with motherhood everything with me being a caregiver for my mom i need to really talk to someone because it's it's coming to a head and i can't even how can I be wanting a relationship and I still have all these residual things I'm dealing with from that? And then you tap, you right, know, right. add on the dating relationship stuff. So it's like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta face this. So I did start therapy, um, in September of last year and I was nervous about it because, um, on the inside, I was thinking, how is it that I'm having all these issues when I am a therapist? I, I should just, I, I know how to do mindfulness. <laughs> I know how to identify negative thoughts. Like I should be able to just do this. But I had to, I, I kind of had to humble, not even just humble myself, but I just, I had to be, again, honest with myself and realize how much everything built up for me last year. And so therapy has really been helpful for me. Um, my therapist mm -hmm. is super great. Um, I found her for off of the therapy for black girls, um, podcast directory. Cause I listen to the podcast. So, um, you know, she's super great. I feel like she, like first session, I feel like she really got me. I cried <laughs> and just opened, just literally opened up the floodgates because she allowed me to feel comfortable in doing so. So, um, that's been helpful. Um, I've been using a, a law of attraction planner and I took, you know, time. The last few months of the uh, end of 2019 to, um, it, you know, it had like this self-discovery section before you actually get to planning goals and things for 2020 the next year. It actually makes you sit and ask these questions. OK, what is it that you want out of life? If you didn't have any restrictions, what would you do with your life? What are your your three month, your six month, your nine month, your five, two year, five year, 10 years goals, you know? So I really got mm. to sit down and reflect, you know, all the things that I've wanted, all the things that I've, um, you know, thought about doing in life. But then I, it also asked the hard questions like, okay, what, what's stopping you? What are your fears? What are the barriers? Who's a negative influence in your life? And it was like, Ooh, okay. <laughs> all right. We're right, we going to go right, there. Right, okay. Questions. Yeah. <laughs> and, I was, and then again, I had, I had to be honest with myself. So it was like, when it said like one of the first person and I hated writing it, it was like, I didn't want to cause then, um, I felt so guilty about it. And I'll, and I'll explain that part too. But 
one the first person I wrote, unfor- I say unfortunately because it's like I didn't want to have to write this, but I had to be honest and be like my grandmother, my mother's mom. Um, cause while we, you know, we're close, but there's been a lot of things and throughout my life that I have had had to accept that things that she has said to me where, you know, you thought, oh, this is just an elderly black grandparent. Like, no, this is actually in the zone of emotional abuse. <laughs> like, oh, wow, it, wow. yeah. Okay. And it's like, I don't want to say that about my grandmother cause she's done so much for me. Like she's helped me out of jams, you know, she's. With my mother being a nurse at home financially, when I've struggled, she's bailed me out. But I've I've had I've been her punching bag a lot due to just everything with my mother, my mom's past mistakes with finances, the fact that my my grandmother is a widow. She's been a widow of eleven years now, and although she's very independent in a lot of ways, she's also still very dependent too. Because um, mm, she, like she don't okay. drive, she's not technologically savvy. Um, you know, so when my step grandfather died, it became me and my mom's responsibility. Then my mom had her stroke and it fell to me. And it's not that I wouldn't, didn't want to take care of her and make sure she was, you know, okay and what she needed. Like she's still very in her right mind. She manages her finances, all that. Like she's straight. But, you know, if something requires the internet, she's, I'm, she don't know how to do that. (laughs) You know, so. You know, but the issues came up is I had to be honest in admitting that the things like when she's held the mistakes my mom has made over my head when I've needed help. And, you know, when I was younger, putting me down about my weight, those kind of things, I had to really realize like a lot of that has contributed to why I've struggled with my self-esteem, my self-confidence and why that has also boiled into my dating and relationship issues. And so um, in doing all of this is pretty much since last year, the process really has been me just, just really coming to terms with everything and not holding so much of it in. And that's a lot. Another thing is I know how it made me feel, but I, you know, not that I would speak on it sometimes. Sometimes I did just blow up at her or just, you know, because um, I'd get so upset, but I never really directly told her like, this is how you're making me feel. And this is how it's affecting me. And I, I did have to have a conversation. I had a conversation with her a couple of weeks ago and I let it all out. And I told her like, grandma, it's at the point where I don't even want to come home. Sometimes I don't want to answer the phone when you call. I feel like everything I do for you is not even because I'm your granddaughter and because I want to help you, but I feel like I have to do it out of obligation. And then it makes me resent you for it. And Mm, I can't mm. keep carrying the weight and being the punching bag because I know it's hard. Your daughter is in a nursing home and has been for seven years. You know, the love of your life has been gone for 11 years. And majority of our family does not live in my hometown. um, My grandma and my grandmother has lost um, uh, two of her, two of her siblings have passed away. Um, And so my grandmother's and my grandmother's niece and our cousins, they're all in New Jersey on the East Coast. So it's, I get that it's, we don't have very much family here. And I, I get, you know, her, she probably does feel lonely and in the big old, in her house by herself and stuff. But it's like, I can't be held responsible for your life and happiness too. And I, I have to make sure when I have mine to think about as well, like I can't, be made to feel guilty because I want to have a social life, but you choose not to. And so I had, I had to tell her like, 
this is what this is it's causing me to not want to have a relationship with you and I don't like that because I want that but I can't keep going like this and so um yeah so pretty much a lot of this process has me just facing my feelings um working through not feeling guilty about um how I feel uh the choices I've made good or bad um working on not beating myself up for not recognizing red flags with niggas <laughs> and um and just also being like you said be is I am essentially working on being patient with myself um cuz where I've been able to see the things I've made progress with like I am doing better with budgeting and my finances I am you know, been working on having more of a routine, practicing, actually practicing self-care on a regular basis, not just when I'm upset or very sporadic and actually being honest with um, not just myself, but even on my job. Like I told my supervisor the other day, I need to take a personal day. <laughs> like I, I just, I need a personal day on Memorial Day weekend. Right, I, right, right. I've had my son here. I've been working from home. The caseload has been building up and I'm trying to study for my exam and I'm feeling a little overwhelmed and I need a personal day. And in the past, I never would have did that. I was like, nah, I'm not just taking a personal day. I'll take off if I have a trip or if I have to, but I'm like, I never would take off a personal day. And it's like, no, I, I, I need that. I, it, and, and realizing that it's okay for me to ask for that. And she was completely understanding. But like in the past, I've always been so afraid of, you know, I don't, you know, I don't want to be, leave a bad pressure. I don't want to, you know, messing it up and, you know, just trying to, you know, come to work. But I've had to realize like my life can't just be about work and being a mother and being a caregiver. I have to take care of myself. And so with that, I feel like how it's helping me in regards to when my future love and husband comes, it is helping me to be able to, you know, balance what God has given me now. So when he gives me the responsibility that's going to come with love and marriage and managing a household with another person and also thinking about their feelings too, I'll be able to balance that better because I've learned how to manage what I have in in this level. And that's something I remind myself of too, because my pastor has talked about that and the things that we want and we pray for, we, like you said, is that we're so, we've, we're so willing and want to have them. But like you said, are, are we really ready for them? And I had to, I did, I had to have some accountability moments too, where it's like, okay, Lex, how, how are you going to be married? And you know, your, your finances ain't all the way together. Um, you got some debt. <laughs> um, do you really want to bring that debt into a marriage? No, not really. So let, let me get this together now. Let me work on budgeting. Let me work on saving. Let me, you know, let me make sure I'm tithing out, out of every paycheck. Like, cause I have to make sure I'm leading by example, especially if I do, my husband is someone that may not be well-versed in those areas. What if it's my, what if, what if it is secretly supposed to be my responsibility to help him be better in that, you know? So like, like we can't be the blind leading the blind, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So okay. I do, I feel like, like I said, I've struggled along the way because like I said, I, I get into that moment of, okay, I see progress here. I see progress here, but I, I'm still struggling with my confidence here. I'm still, okay, God, why am I still, dealing with self-comparison. I'm still dealing with self-comparison here. I'm still replaying 
past mistakes. I'm innocent. I'm still healing from, I mean, we weren't officially together last year, but a guy I was dating. He pretty much did break my heart. I'm still healing from that. Um, you know, even though I've accepted what happened, but I've, I've still had moments where like, yeah, this shit still hurts and having to come to terms and accept that and not feel bad about it. So in, in a sense, I'm working through a lot of different things and I know it's going, it's going to come out better on the other side eventually. Um, and like, I still, like I said, I've still had my moments. But I'm, I have been, you know, this past week, actually, it's funny how God works because I've, it had been weighing on me like the last few weeks. <laughs> and then last Sunday, I watched the sermon online from the Potter's House of LA with Devon Franklin and it was, it hit right at home. So since then, I've actually been able to take what I learned from that and apply it to the things that I have been still worrying about, like having a routine. Um, but yeah, that's, yeah, I was pretty much done. <laughs> um, so what I what I gathered from a lot of what you were saying is that prioritizing yourself is pretty much the focal point for a lot of what you're going through right now. You have um, a lot of family that needs you in more than one way. And even in those those moments of having responsibilities or having like people to take care of we learn that sometimes it is like extremely difficult for us to take care of the people simply because we can't take care of ourselves. So in this process, we'll go, you know, months without acknowledging that we're feeling things, you know, um, we don't, we don't want to be selfish and take those self-care days like, like you mentioned of, you know, just needing a day to yourself, or sometimes you'll feel like there's moments where the person that you're taking care of or that you're being of service to is not treating you the way or talking to you the way that you would like to be treated or talked to. So now what you have to do in this process of waiting your turn is you have to make, you have to make Lex a priority, Right. And in that process, you're become you're learning how to acknowledge when things are wrong. You're learning how to um, really detail the feelings that you have when these things are happening so that whenever a person is treating you a certain type of way, you, you can identify it and address it right then and there because you don't want to keep repeating these same cycles. So in certain instances, when we look at when we're ready for love, a lot of times we look for love in the midst of our own troubles. We want some some type of alternative to what we're going through or feeling. And this is the important part of the wait, because dealing with what's at hand sometimes is always the best way to go before we put our hand into some other pot or some other situation. So explain to me when a guy shows up, what would be. What would be the way that you keep him interested or attracted with all of what you know is going on in your life? Do you feel like right now you're ready for whatever God would have for you and a partner? Um, yes and no. 
Um, I feel like there are the innate qualities I already do have that would um, be able to translate over into dating and relationship and finding my partner. But um, there are the things that I still know I need to work on. And like one of those things um, is being able to um, feel more confident in myself, being able to trust my judgment. Um, I was actually talking about this with a friend today, knowing what my boundaries are and so that I can be able to communicate that to my partner without guilt. (laughs) Once again, that guilt is like the big thing there. Um, also making sure that, like I mentioned earlier, that I am being whole and really and completely healed, making sure that I have really taken the time to heal from my past heartbreak and that, um, and not more so like not in far as I'm not still having feelings for this person because I know it's not an issue, but just healing from the overall hurt, um, and not taking that into the next person in you know, worrying about, okay, are they lying to me? How do I know this is true or not? Uh, you know, just overthink, not overthinking and not questioning all the time. But at the, but I also making sure that I do a better job of guarding my heart and so that I don't get so caught up in the desire of wanting to have someone and the butterflies and all that I'm feeling to where I lose lose myself and lose my sense of discernment and judgment because okay. I'm afraid of having to start back over. I'm afraid of feeling, you know, afraid of, okay, if he doesn't choose me, does this mean I'm not good enough and getting caught up back up in that cycle? I want to make sure that when I'm, when I do ever meet, when I'm, you know, when I do date or, you know, actually get out, whether it's I'm dating around and know people. And even when I do actually finally get with my person that I'm not having those thoughts constantly replay in the back of my mind. Like I'm sure I may have a day where I don't feel hundred percent confident in myself because of whatever life may throw at me that day. It happens, but I don't, I know how deep in the hole I've gotten before. And I don't want to be in that hole all the time when it comes to my relationship, because I, I have to be considerate of him as well and whatever his past experiences and how they've affected him and, you know, the present moment and dealing with those kind of things. Um, Just being, you know, emotionally considerate of how that can be taxing for a person. Um, You know, I would, you know, I would hope that the person I'm with would have, wouldn't have a problem reassuring me and of course, encouraging me, speaking life into me, all of that. But there is going to be a point where he may feel like, okay, I've done all I can to reassure you, to let you know that I love you, that I only want you. Why can't you still trust that? Why can't you still trust me? I don't want that to be an issue in my, in a future, in my future relationship and, you know, in marriage. So that's why I say yes and no, because I know I, I'm still working on building that self-confidence and trust in myself. And, um, you know, like I said, working on knowing that it's okay to speak up. It's okay to say how I feel and not feel guilty about it. It's okay to set those boundaries and say, you know what? No, actually, I'm not going to entertain this because this is truly not what I want and not settle for what I can get because I'm afraid of how how much longer is the wait going to be. And that's exactly what most of us 
you know, tend to do, which is the next point that I wanted to um, expound on, which is we we skipped the process by just trying to find some sense of entertainment while we're waiting on the, you know, the good candidate or what or what we would consider to be who God has chosen for us. There's this process that we take where sometimes we'll tell ourselves that we're just going to, you know, see what's out there and not take anything or anybody serious. And this totally derails you from the process that it takes for you to be of sound mind, emotional, you know, stability, and, you know, the, I guess the ability to make a choice, because I do believe that um, sidebar conversation and association does distract you sometimes from your purpose mm-hmm. <laughs> and what you're actually and what you're actually waiting for. And a lot of times those people beat you up before you even get to the man that's supposed to care for you. And it's a lot of damage to unpack once you finally get them. And we never look at that as a possibility. So um, is there ever a point where you kind of like go around the process to just find somebody to hang around or find somebody to be entertained by and that distracts you from what you're ultimately wanting versus the meantime mm-hmm. yep I, I, did, I did it <laughs> I actually I realized I was trying to do that um after the the heartbreak I went through this past year I was doing that and then in being in therapy, I, you know, when I was talking about my relationships and I went back and thought about the timelines of, you know, who I was dating at the time and things like that. Um, although I have not been in a serious relationship in some years <laughs> since 2000, about 2012. Um, mm, okay. I've, I've also, I've had a lot of situationships and, um, you know, and some of that which I didn't realize I fell into that, some of which I had to be like, yeah, girl, you you knew what you was doing with that one. <laughs> um, and when I went and when I really thought about the timelines, you know, like, you know how people I, I've always said, like, I hope people don't think that I can't be alone because I've always, I was like, I know I can be alone. Like I do things even when I'm not talking to anybody, whether I'm talking to someone or not, I'm still I will still take myself out to the movies or out to eat or shop. Like I have no problem doing things by myself. Like that's never been like an issue. But when I really looked at the timelines, I had to say like, you know, did I really take the time to heal from that last disappointment? Did I really take the time to heal from the fact that he ghosted me? Did I really take the time to heal from the fact that this person lied to me and I invested all this time and energy into them? And when I really did, I was like, I really, I never really did. Or, or if I thought I did, <clears throat> or if I, like I felt like I had, but in hindsight, you know, a month is really not enough. Two months really ain't that. I mean, depending on what, how, you know, how long I was involved with that person, what the situation was. But, um, you know, my therapist had pointed out to me, like, you know, when you are investing time, energy, emotions, and intimacy, sex, all of that. And it is for a long period of time. Even when there's not a title, you're still offering yourself up and still committing yourself to that person as if there was. So when it doesn't work out, 
it is going to take time to heal. It is going to take time to be able to move forward from that. And, um, you know, looking back, I can see where I did a lot of time where it's like, okay, you know, I, I cried and I listened, you know, I li- went through my process, listened to my sad songs and listened to a few songs. <laughs> and then I'd be like, okay, well, you know what? I'm not about to sit here and wall about this any longer. I need to just move on. And in reality, I, it, it's the whole, I'm not going to wallow thing. I think is like, it's a, it is kind of like of a double edged sword. Cause no, you don't want to wallow and, and wind up in a depression and, and spiraling out of control and anxious thoughts and things. However, you, again, you have to be real with how some, someone has made you feel when they've hurt you. You have to be honest and acknowledge, no, I, I actually felt disrespected. I felt hurt. I felt lied to. I was lied to. I felt betrayed, you know, acknowledging and identifying those emotions so that you can come to terms with what happened and be able to accept it and be able to move forward and know like, okay, I know how this made me feel. I know how it affected me. Okay, recognize that. All right, was this person wrong in what they did? Yeah, there was. But also, what did I? How did I contribute in this situation playing out how it did? And that has also taken me some time to be like, okay, Lex, you got to take accountability. Like he told you, he wasn't ready for a relationship. Was you hoping and wishing that he was going to change your mind? Yeah. Mm-hmm, there was a few times. <laughs> I thought, well, yeah. you know, maybe he might change his mind. Because he says he really likes me, you know, and he still wants to spend time with me. He still wants to come over. So maybe, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I was I was doing that. And then even after coming to terms with, okay, I can't change nobody that don't want to be changed. Except in that, I still would find ways to justify because I'd, I'd still be going off a lot of words and not actions. And that's that's something I've learned too as far as my love languages. My top two are the words of affirmation and acts of service. They actually switched lately. First it was words and then acts of service. But now, now it's acts of service and then words, but they're both still tied. And I can see why. And But now that I've had time and the time that has passed when I've taken the love languages quiz like time has passed I can see now why acts is now trumping words because I am in a different mindset and I'm I'm now like okay when some when someone says this and they show you who they are believe them so there's been a couple times um you know this year you know I had to set those boundaries like I had someone in my dms that I had known since like college and it's always kind of been like a They've always kind of like popped in and out of my life and always been back and forth, but they started to seem like they was really trying to see what's up. So I'm like, okay, all right, this, I'd, I'd be open to it, but let me, let me make sure that we really on the same page here. And so I usually, I probably wouldn't have flat out asked, but I did. I said, okay, what is it that you really want? Because to be honest, I'm getting mixed signals from you and I'm not sure what's going on. So I need to know what it is. And when they said, I'm just looking for friends, I said, okay, well, then here's the bound. This is what we're going to do. And I've made sure to maintain those boundaries. In the past, it was, okay, I understand. Well, you know, you can still hit me up. You can still come over. <laughs> and and because of all that I've been through and knowing what it is and being honest, like, okay, this is what I want. I know what I want for myself. I'm doing better with realizing, okay, because this is what I want and because this is what I, and this is what I don't want. Let me do, make sure I do what I can 
on my part to ensure that I do get what I want. And what I don't want is to wind up in the same pattern of getting my hopes up, thinking that they're going to change when they've already said this is what it is and and really believe like this is what they're saying, this is what it is and not trying to rationalize or find underlying meanings like, no, they're not ready. They're not ready. Keep it pushing. <laughs> um, and that's what that's yeah. what our mistakes are as um, men and women. And um, just an overview of I mean, you said quite a bit, but um, just an overview of what I gathered. There's a point when we encounter people that show interest. And um, this is how anxiety works. Anxiety will tell you that because they're interested, other things should be playing a significant part of what this interest should be showing you. Mm -hmm. That means that they're either ready, they want to make a move, they want to take things to the next level. Interested is just interest. Mm -hmm. But our anxieties play such a huge role in how we communicate, how we establish our connections, and then possibly how we are misled by a lot of the actions that um, men and women tend to show us. And a mm-hmm. lot of times it doesn't mean that they're ready at all. It just it just has something to do more so with you've captured my attention at this very moment and mm-hmm. how we navigate being caught in somebody's, you know, web of, you know, intrigue or whatever that is for you in that moment makes a huge difference to how we proceed and you begin to put a plan in place for how things are supposed to go when you connect with a person being interested but again it does not mean that they're ready for something so Mm -hmm. we have to identify the anxieties within ourselves and how that plays a part of the decisions that we make because we're so we're so wrapped up in feeling things or having someone to touch us to understand us that we begin to get ahead of ourselves and that is partially the point of the conversation or the conversation's title which is the anxiety of waiting your turn sometimes it may just be a process of you being able to accept some senses or some types of connection with people without catching feelings that may be a process for you to learn you don't always have to respond to every single thing that you feel sometimes certain things doesn't require a response so you have to learn how to be able to connect with people without like going over the emotional deep end so there are so many things that i believe anxiety um plays a part in when it comes to dating relationships even marriage, like sometimes we think that because a person said that they I do or, you know, they propose that they're ready to get married instantly. Like a proposal just means that this is where I am today. And I truly believe that you are the person that I'm ready to share this space with. But there's still a process that has to take shape in order for us to be man and wife. It does not mm-hmm. mean that I want to get married tomorrow. Yeah. You know, but like I said, our anxieties of, you know, having to wait for so long for something that we feel like is our just do. Um, we kind of become adamant and sometimes very aggressive in how we approach people. And it's off putting 
you know, and I just think that this conversation is perfect for the time being, because now when we go back into the world after this quarantine passes and how we used to date is not going to be the same, because not only are you going to have to have certain communication and dialogue transparency, you also have to question people's health mm-hmm. as well. And not just the physical health. You have to, you know, think about the mental health of a person who has been tormented by being on the inside of their homes for too long or Mm -hmm. um, the abuse levels that comes in the form of verbal, you know, physical, emotional, depending on who you're quarantined with. Like Mm -hmm. this is going to be a a really, really difficult process for us to reintegrate back into how we socialize with the opposite sex and patience is going to really be an aid for us when it's time to deal with our anxieties of damn a whole six months have gone by and I'm still single. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like that doesn't mean to get back out here and accelerate the process. You still need to do um, what you can to focus on yourself and build up your confidence and build up your understanding of how sure you are about what it is you want and what you want to share with another person. And then also um, something that I want to ask you about is a lot of times what you're struggling with in the anxiety process of waiting your turn. It's not necessarily for you. It's about who God is going to send you to love on. Mm-hmm. Right. Um we have so many issues as men with emotions and vulnerability and um, being able to communicate, feeling um, men need safe spaces to um, be who they truly are in expression and in conversation. So you going through a process of patience and understanding may be the very thing you are going to need in order to make your partner feel safe, secure, and like a man in a certain space that you're going to share what is it that anxiety teaches you or not even anxiety but what is it that the the waiting process teaches you about how you want to love a man when he shows up because we don't often hear um the lessons that are being administered for other people to benefit from us we always hear more so the perspectives of what we expect when it's our time or turn. So what is this time teaching you as to what you plan on doing for the man that could potentially show up to be loved by you? That is an interesting question. <laughs> okay. What's the time is teaching me for what to, what I can do for the other person. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. I would say, um, and being patient with, like you kind of what you said earlier, and being patient with myself, I learned to be patient with them. Um, so that kind of like you said, that the anxiety doesn't cause me to think, oh, this is how it should be. And, 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 you know, a lot of what I tell my clients, a lot of should thinking, you know, or black and white, all or nothing type of thinking, um, and not catastrophizing things, but also not minimizing things either. Um, and just mm, okay. dismissing it. Those two really go hand in hand because I know in um, in dealing just with my own my own mental and emotional health, I've I like again I had to come to terms with that I do have post traumatic stress disorder from my mother, um, 
because when she, I mean, pretty much when she had her heart aneurysm, her stroke, she, she almost died. She should have died literally. Um, and then just what we, what I experienced with my, her growing up and her issues with dating and relationships and the financial struggles and all of that, um, you know, my anxiety, the anxiety or the, the constant state of fear and guilt that comes from PTSD has caused me to, in dating relationships, like look at things as where like, okay, it needs to be this because if it's not that, then that means they don't really love me. They don't really care. And, and, and if they're not taking me here or if they're not, if we're not, you know, committed within this amount of time frame, then that means he's playing me and, and that. So you, you get caught up into a lot of, if it's not this or that, then, it, then that ain't it. <laughs> and so in understanding that, okay, not everything is black and white. And usually I'm very well at looking at the bigger picture when it comes to a lot of things. Um, you know, a lot of reasons why one of my, uh, my best friend who's married, she'll often come to me for advice. Like if her and her husband have gotten an argument, she'll ask me like, okay, like, did I think, okay, this is what happened. And there's times where I have to tell her like, okay, I get what you're coming from, but also look at it from this space. So I'm, I'm usually very good at thinking objectively, but because I, because I have struggled so much with that self-confidence for myself, that anxiety, that fear kicks in when it comes to my own dating and relationships because, and I do get into that should thinking. And there's some things I've catastrophized and think like, oh, this was such a big, and it's like, well, actually, no, he didn't text me today. That's actually not a big of that big of a deal. <laughs> like it's, it's okay yeah. if he didn't text me today, but then also minimizing. Okay. He said that this is what he wanted. But he's not following up on that and be like, okay, well, you know, let me just give him the benefit of the doubt. Like, no, that's a problem. And so, yeah, um, yeah, so that makes sense. Yeah. So in our relationship, I have to make sure that I'm not what I feel for the other person that again, I'm not getting to that should all or nothing catastrophizing thinking of little things that may happen or go wrong or when we get have a disagreement. But I also don't minimize how. I feel nor how he may be feeling when I do something wrong that may across a boundary of his and that I'm making sure that I'm not only just making sure I'm standing by what, how I feel and, but making sure that um, I'm being empathetic towards him as well and what his boundaries are and by, and also being able not being afraid to communicate to him because in communicating how I feel and my boundaries is not, just good for me it's also going to be good for him too so that he can understand what i've been through and my thinking process and how to love me better and vice versa like we're that i think that's a mutual benefit in the relationship yeah i think that having that healthy balance is going to be very beneficial due to the fact that like um social anxieties really do um cause those catastrophes to to show up in so many different areas. And before you know it, you don't even know how to clean up the calamity. The the social anxiety of phone calling and texting. Like in in certain instances, we have such a high anxiety level for communication that a person not calling you in two days seems like a distorted view of what we've agreed upon in our relationship. We'll look at it and say, Oh, well, he's not talking to me. He's not communicating with me. What he not thinking about me, what he's not paying attention to me. What is it like? You'll begin to 
come up with all mm-hmm. of these. I've, I've literally you know, had that crazy assumptions. <laughs> like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. And the problem that I have with social anxiety is those are the very moments for you to communicate that I'm thinking about you right now. Like you're so focused on waiting on the phone call that you don't realize that you still have a responsibility to communicate when you're thinking about me too. Like don't get so caught up in the pattern of communication that you fail to remember that there's a certain level of communicating that you have to do as well. Those are the the perfect moments for you to call and say, hey, you on my mind, what's going on? Because he could very well be on the other side of an unanswered phone call struggling. You know what I'm saying? Like it could be something that Mm -hmm. really is going on that has him somewhat distracted from a much happier place in time. But we get so caught up in these anxieties that we can't even think the the best of the people that we believe to be made or meant for us. We can't think the best. We have to automatically go to a defense or automatically Mm -hmm. be put on guard. And that, you know, like you say, catastrophizing everything, you know, we can't do that in this area in time because there's a lot of us that's going to be coming out of this quarantine with some PTSD. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having to, you know, totally unpack a lot of different things that most of us don't deal with directly in our homes and our feelings, you know, in our relationships. So the, the, the anxiety of waiting your turn is one of the most healthiest places to be in right now, because more more so than anything, you get to pay more attention to yourself, which is something that we don't do enough of as a people um Mm -hmm. black people in particular you know with you being a mother a social worker having to deal with other people with issues you have family (laughs) with issues you have to allot yourself a certain level of time and you can't feel guilty about certain things being what they are because that's not going to change but nobody can be taken care of if lex don't take care of herself you know what I'm saying? Like that yep. has to be the, you know, the focal point. And I believe that we discussed that when we did our uh, episode on your show. The, yes. Um, Stop the that toxic, toxic strength. strength. Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like just being strong for people who don't understand that your strength is being depleted because they realize that they are in need. Mm-hmm. Um, telling people no is strength conditioning. Like being able to say no, I'm not coming over there today. No, yeah. I'm not doing. You have to find other options today because Lex needs a personal day. Like you yep. have to tell your family Lex needs a personal day. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like those are moments that are going to help you replenish the energy that's being depleted so that you can have those moments to spend with yourself, to get cute, to go out, hang out, be in the midst of you know, groups Mm-hmm. When that's allowed and then right. possibly meet, <laughs> you know, possibly meet somebody that's going to be drawn to that energy. But um, we have to kind of put a stop to the anxieties of focusing on ourselves and looking at it as if it's a negative process. Right. You know, there are a lot of things that we think about in that space that does hurt us because we feel like um, working on ourselves is pretty much coming from the afflictions of other people we loved. 
like how you say, like I had to really come to grips with that breakup. And sometimes thinking about it still stings, Mm -hmm. you know, but what was that? What was that process teaching you um, when it comes to your ideas of love moving forward? Because now when you think about what you've been through and you understand what those things feel like, you know how to maneuver yourself now in a new situation to where you don't give a whole lot leading into you give just enough to see what type of responses that you get. You don't get in over your head anymore. You know, mm-hmm. you you pace yourself. You're you're more patient. You'll begin to learn how to appreciate the slow pace that things are taking because now everybody can pay attention to what's going on. When things move fast, a lot of times we miss certain red flags because there's so much movement. And so many different distractions happening when it's constantly at an, a very accelerated pace. So the process is actually a great thing. But I know for a lot of us who have been waiting on love for quite some time, it seems like this shit is never going to show up. But you know what I'm saying? Like the, like we say about God, you know, it may not come when we want it, but, but it comes right on time. time. <laughs> and, and and that's that's something I've I have to keep reminding myself in a sense, as cliche as that is, I it's like like I said, I know it's like okay, my that's I, my timing is not God's timing because to God it says right there in the word, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day to Him. My thoughts are not His thoughts, and right. His ways are not my ways, and so. I have to some I have to sometimes get out of Alexis's way, get out of Alexis's way and remember like, okay, you know, it feels like a thousand years to me while God is up in there like, girl, I didn't listen, I already spoke this in the echoes of the universe when you were born and you don't even know it. <laughs> like yeah. it's okay. It's it's okay. <laughs> like, but for me it's like, oh <laughs> but I have to remember like in because time and space is defined differently to us as humans versus in the spiritual realm and where God is, I had to remember that, you know, this has already been spoken. This has already been said. It's going to happen because his word does not come back void. So it's already been, I've already prayed for it. I've already asked for it and I've, I've been seeking God for it. I just had to know that, okay, it's already been put out there in by him. And as far as what I want and what I've, you know, said that what I need, what I want and what I'm looking for. So I, at this point is, it is going to take me trusting and believing that it's going to come. And in that meantime, um, pretty much do what the sermon I heard on Sunday says, deposit in me now in the present moment so that I can withdraw later. And just remembering everything I have, everything I need, I already have in this present moment. I just have right. to keep working and keep moving and just trust that it's going trust God and trust the overall process while I'm in it yep. pretty much. <laughs> yep. That's exactly, that's exactly what it is. You know, um, listeners, I know that we've kind of like gotten into a conversation and we're more so wrapped up in the conversation because we know each other, but to yeah. like bring you <laughs> back into the process, what if I told you that the patience required for you to wait your turn for love is a part of the same process that is taking to love another person. What if what you're waiting on from love is the very thing that you don't know enough about to love somebody else? That's the process that I believe some of us are in 
that is making us feel a little bit uneasy, a little bit impatient. And we want to accelerate and move beyond the process. But being ready for love isn't always about your conditions. It's more so based upon the ability and assurance you have and how ready you are to love another person. So how ready are you for love if you're not ready for what another person could potentially come with? You have to build a skill set. And I think that our processes are teaching us that being ready for love has nothing to do with another person showing up. It's being your best you when they finally do come. So while you're sitting in quarantine and you're in the house and you're realizing that there's not much to do there, focus on making yourself the best self that you've ever been. Um, pay attention to how much you eat at home. Like most of us are conditioned to depend on the gym. Now we have to learn that we have to be active even at home, finding ways to work out and be um mindful of our health and our weight while we're at home because the gym obviously is not guaranteed because it shut down just like everything else and it was not a distraction from what was going on in the rest of the world so we had to learn how to use all of our initial resources before the amenities or the accommodations came so this process is teaching us that we have to learn how to use our anxieties a lot better than what we do. It's not meant to make us depressed. It's not meant to make us lonely or to feel less than or inadequate. It's actually the time in which we use to build ourselves up and make ourselves powerful beyond the measures of where we actually see or judge ourselves for. So um, this conversation was very important for me to have with Lex because she's very transparent about being a beautiful girl who deserves to be cared for in such a way. But I don't think that it speaks to what she deserves because of how other people may treat her or other people may respond to her. It speaks more to the idea of how strong can I be when these things happen? How am I going to take the possibility of this happening again? You have to condition yourself for the things that come with love, because that's not to always say that everything that comes with love is good, you know? So this process is really a teaching moment. And we've heard so much of what she's saying about how she deals with family, how she deals with spirituality, and all of these things are being built upon to make Lex a lot better than what she's going to believe herself to be when love finally shows up. So I appreciate you for being, you know, open and honest and sharing your story and giving us insight to who and what you are as a caregiver, social worker, mama, and all <laughs> of those amazing titles that you carry. Because I know that that's a a hefty responsibility, you know, to Ooh, yes. <laughs> on a daily basis. It is heavy. You know, so <laughs> we all got a process that we have to wait for. Um, we have to wait for an outcome. And, you know, like. Most of us have to learn new ways of managing in situations that we have no control over. You know, that's that's most important now for real, because we didn't see this thing. This, we didn't see this quarantine thing coming, you know, and at all. <laughs> at all. I ain't never been in, I ain't never been in the house this much with one person ever. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, mm -hmm. I've lived 
you know, I lived with my mama growing up, but like I've, you know, been able to leave. She, she been able to leave. Mm-hmm. You know, we get to have our space and time, but like quarantine, like we in the crib mm-hmm. day after day. Um, yep. we gotta share the same spaces. We gotta, you know, you got one bathroom in your apartment, two people at home at the same time, and the person is in the shower while you gotta piss. Like you not <laughs> see you me. Know and what my I'm son saying? been like, going. Me and my son been going through that. That's why I was like, we need a bigger space. We need two bathrooms because I can't keep doing it. Right. So imagine, I mean, like being like this close knit and having those issues. Like you're looking at this as problematic but in that case you're starting to develop a vision like we need more space you know what i'm saying like you get to actually sit down and see your life before Mm -hmm. your eyes and get to make those adjustments so we just have to figure out ways to deal with you know our post-traumatic stress you know disorders and our anxieties of waiting for when our turns are going to come because when we are released back into normal existence we're going to be powerful beyond measure because mm-hmm. we've been through something that most people couldn't deal with, mm-hmm. you know, and, and love is going to be much better because we're going to be a little bit more intentional mm-hmm. about who we spend our time with because we yep. didn't have this much time to do nothing a few months ago. So whatever time we have, when we finally get free, oh, we not wasting it. It's going to you know? precious. <laughs> okay, when they, and this time might is- be the turnaround <laughs> or this might be the, you know, that time that we waiting on, you know? Yes. Like the phrase that time is precious and life is short is, I feel like it's going to take a whole new meaning after this quarantine. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. people have died and people have lost loved ones during this time. And mm-hmm. so, you know, like you said, we are going to be more intentional of how we do things, how we spend our time, who we're entertaining and who we're giving our energy to. Because, you know, we've we've ha- we've had to go through so much to get to this point. And like you right, said, kind right. of now we're we're you know, we're in this place of we have to start taking account. We do it's because it's like. Well, what else are we gonna do? <laughs> you know, like we have to. It, you're in a place where you're you're forced to sit alone with your thoughts, and you're forced to take account into uh, your feelings and your thoughts and your behaviors and the choices you've made and where you're trying to go. And so, you know, like even in my, you know, I have like I, I have my I've had my bad moments still here and there in this quarantine. I've had my I've definitely cried sometimes. Like just last Wednesday, I was up till two, three in the morning crying, talking to God, reading my word and trying to just all, all because I couldn't figure out how to get a routine together for being here at home. Like I was struggling trying to figure out how I was going to work out on this day, study this day. And I was like, this shouldn't be this hard. <laughs> right, but like, right. But when then, and I was like, I just was crying like, God, why I, I, do you see me trying? Like I'm trying to be diligent here. I'm trying to be on top of things. And, but some re- I can't get it. And I, and I had to go back to what I knew and that was going back into the word and reading like you know you are sufficient in this present moment you have to manage the moment that was that's another point that I tell myself Mm. is managing the moment that I'm in like okay and you know also applying what I've been learning in therapy you know you know do something you can modify to what is going on so that I'm not feeling so constrained and so like once I actually did that it was like okay I got it now. And I hammered it out. But like, yeah, in that moment, I just felt like, why can't I do this? And I'm sure there's a lot of people 
going through those same exact moments in this quarantine. Like, this shouldn't be this hard. Like, why, why am I having to deal with this? Why, why do I feel so stuck in where I'm at? Like, I've seen people post, like, after this is over, I'm getting me some therapy. <laughs> and I've yeah. told people, like, look, yeah. do it now because folks are doing virtual sessions. Like, yeah, do it it's, now. <laughs> it's best to do it right now. Because I, like I said, I believe that this is, you know, a process of learning how to take more time for ourselves so that we can, you know, stick it out better with people because Mm -hmm. um, the processes that we have to go through for ourselves alone is going to teach us how to be more patient, more kind, more understanding to another person who has their own set of problems. So um, everybody that's listening, man, look, you know, whatever your anxiety is, if it's, you know, to get back outside, you know, what are you going to do when you get outside? You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? Like, are you going to go back to, the same patterns or the same ways in which you have been moving and maneuvering, you know, before, like, what is the rush to get, you know, back to normal if you don't have no new expectations of how you're going to better yourself or afford yourself better opportunities? So this is why um, we have these conversations. And I want our men to understand that when we finally meet somebody that's worth the time and attention and the possibilities of you courting her understand that there's going to be some unpacking that she's going to have to do because like i said you know being in the house and you eating it might be 40 extra pounds on this woman that you may be totally unaware of that could possibly shift her confidence or make her feel as though she's not as attractive as she was before this all happened so under be a little understanding to on the conditions of what we're all going through at this particular point. But um, we're at like a hour and 20 minutes. So we're going to cut this one here. I thank you so much, Lex, for, you know, sharing and opening up, you know, to the listeners so we can have this great conversation. And I want you to take a few minutes to give your social media handles and all of the information about yourself so people can follow up with you on your own platform. Of course, and oh, well, say of course, and thank you for allowing me to share my story and giving me the space to do so. I've always, I like say, I always, I do like to be transparent. That's like a big thing for me. So whenever I can, just share her my stories and my experiences. It always makes me happy because, like I, like you said, we, we all trying to, we all trying to get through this thing together. <laughs> um, but as far right, as my right, social, right. As, as far as my social media handles, um, you can find me. Uh, well, my personal uh, handles on Instagram and Twitter is at Lex is more with four underscores. So underscore Lex underscore is underscore more underscore at the end. <laughs> it's hard when you have a common name. <laughs> so I have right, to be creative. Right, right. Um, you can follow um, my podcast, the free space podcast on Facebook and Instagram at the free space podcast, um, completely spelled out. You can follow on Twitter at the underscore free underscore space. Uh, you can also email the podcast at thefreespacepod at gmail.com. I drop episodes on Fridays and I'm on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. I believe it also goes out to Overcast and Breaker. So pretty much all your main places you can find me. <laughs> um, I have a link tree link in my profile. So if you ever need to just get to the links, they're all there. It makes it one-stop shop pretty much and um yes i'd say thanks again bj for having me and and i hope that something i said helped somebody on this episode (laughs) absolutely absolutely yep hit her up um 
like like she said, you know, she has all the information in her bios on her social media handles. But if you would like to follow me, you can definitely get in touch with me at DergoBJ. That is D-E-R-G-O-B-J on Twitter. The subject change is the Instagram page handle. You can hit me there as well. I have an email for the show, which is loveletters115 at gmail.com. And overall, the Teach Me How to Love You Better brand is a subsidiary of Change the Subject by which we have a hotline and you can definitely um, send a text or a call to the, you know, the change the subject hotline number, which is 313-652-0220. I want to hear your comments, questions, show topics, suggestions, all of what you feel like will make this experience for the listeners a lot better. Um, we try to tackle as many issues as we can with our women and how our, you know, women want to see better you know in us as men when it comes to how they're being treated understood and you know supported so definitely leave me any comments or questions if you are a man by chance and you want to you know share and expound on some things as well we're going to open up some platforms and some questions for the men as well so there's going to be a full-fledged process that is going to take shape here at teach me how to love you better but again thank you so much for listening and tuning in And I will see you guys again in two weeks. Peace and blessings. Thanks.